The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So the style of practice that I'd like to offer today is inspired by, informed by, uh, my teacher, Saida Utejaniya, who I've practiced with in Burma several times for multiple weeks, practiced with in the States. He teaches a very um, open style of meditation practice. His emphasis is really on learning about how our minds are in relationship to whatever is happening. We could say maybe that's a, a kind of summary of, of what uh, the practice is about. We learn how our minds are in relationship to whatever is happening because it is in relationship to what is happening that our suffering arises. So if something's happening... Um, you know, there's, there's some things happening outside in the world all the time that are painful, that are unpleasant, that are lovely. And the, the, that, the, I think the Buddha's real uh, contribution to our understanding of what is going on is that he pointed out that things happen and our happiness, our ease, our peace of mind does not have to be tied to the external world that there is a way of being in relationship to what is happening that creates conditions where the mind is not fighting, not in a stance of greed, aversion, or delusion, confusion around what is happening. Now, this does not mean that everything becomes wonderful. There is still this, um, there is still, you know, things happen in the world. There's, there's, um, you know, there is a, 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 the way that affects us. And yet what's, what happens is we begin to investigate our minds and see how our minds are participating in our struggle, how our minds are participating in the ways that we're feeling um, miserable, frustrated, angry, confused. Um, we begin to see that the, um, that relationship can be transformed. And so it is through the exploration of that relationship that really this, this understanding begins to happen. And as we come into relationship, something unpleasant, challenging happening in the world, if we are in relationship with that, with anger, aversion, confusion, greed, uh, the, the, the whole um, many emotions in relationship to that that are creating struggle and suffering in our hearts. If we're in relationship to it with that, with that we are suffering. Now, our minds may have um, convinced us that this emotion, anger, for instance, is what is going to make us happy sometime in the future, or that, that somehow even the feeling of that anger becomes a feeling of power and control, and that feels like somehow uh, good in our minds. But when we begin to really look at the experience when our minds are caught by greed, aversion, and delusion, we recognize in the moment that we are suffering. And so the transformation that begins to happen through this investigation, through this looking at our minds in relationship to the world, is that the 
the anger portions, the, the greedy portions, the confused portions begin to weaken and fall away. And then the relationship that is in, re- in connection to the world, when there's something challenging or difficult happening, for instance, would be compassion rather than hatred, would be generosity, kindness, love, wisdom. And so the, the relationship of experience transforms. And so while there's still difficulty going on in, out in the world, we can't, we can take action and contribute to making change. That, that's a piece, I think, that's important to recognize the practices that we teach, the, the practices of looking at our mind and changing our relationship, doesn't mean that we're going to end up not taking action in the world. It's not just about navel-gazing. It's not just about looking at our own minds because when we do look at our own minds and, and that relationship transforms then the, the motivations that arise as the mind lets go of our habitual motivations of greed, aversion, and delusion, the motivations that now arise are those of kindness, of generosity, of compassion, of love, of care. And those motivate action. They motivate us to take action in the world. Different ways for different people how those motivations will express. And so the... The work that we do in our meditation here is really uh, learning how to watch our minds. And yet this is not necessarily like a right, you know, just flip and you can watch your minds. And so we, we need to learn how to establish mindfulness. Establish mindfulness in relationship to the variety of experience that happens for us. Whatever happens outside in the world, we need to know, be aware of it. Whatever happens inside our bodies and minds, we need to learn how to be aware of that. And so the the real emphasis here is on awareness. And as we uh, cultivate that awareness, we begin to understand the, the, the piece of wisdom that develops, and I'll use this word wisdom actually quite a bit, um, some of the wisdom that develops is around this question of where is our own suffering? Where is the place where we're not able to be in peace? That place where we're not able to be in peace is something happening in our own minds. And so uh, the, the wisdom that grows as we begin to observe our experience is just that, is that oh, this being caught and frustrated and angry or confused, that's actually where the struggle is. It's not the thing that I'm caught or angry or confused or suffering, that think I'm suffering about. That's not actually where the suffering is. The suffering, there's unpleasantness there, yes. But the suffering is not the unpleasantness. The suffering is in that relationship. And so in the awareness, we learn to recognize that truth. And as the mind begins to understand that more deeply, there's a great thing about the way our minds work. When our minds actually understand that that relationship is where we are not in ease or peace, not in a place of well-being, our minds begin to figure out how to change. And so this is the, this is the kind of transformation that starts to happen with the practice. And so I I like to start with this kind of framing because often 
as we get into the day, you know, it's like, just be aware of hearing, just be aware of body sensation. It's, it feels kind of like, what's the point? You know, why am I just noticing that I've got pressure on my knee and hearing the sound of the train? I mean, what's the point? Why are we doing this? And we're doing it first to cultivate the stability of mindfulness with a wide range of experience. Often in our meditation practice, we're cultivating a stability of mindfulness in a very narrow range of experience, on the breath, for instance. And so this begins to allow our, our uh, minds to become more stable in mindfulness, not only in the sitting meditation, but also in our lives. And then as we can become more stable in the broad range of experiences that are happening, we can begin to observe what the relationship is, what that, what that attitude is, what that, um, where the place where we do get caught. We can begin to observe that in sitting meditation, in walking meditation, in eating, in driving, in living our lives. And we'll really start to see where is it that we're getting caught. And that power of our minds, the kind of nat- there's a kind of a natural orientation of our minds that wants to move in the direction of well-being. And when it understands, when it sees that where the mind is caught, when it sees that the, the caught part of the mind is around something that it is actually responsible for, again, there's this movement in the direction of letting go of that towards the cultivation of some of these beautiful, wholesome qualities of love, of compassion, of wisdom, of concentration, of generosity. So this is kind of the purpose of our practice and a little bit of how it works and then why we are looking at trying to be aware of what seems to be completely mundane experience. It is kind of, in some ways, it's the beginning, it's the training wheels for being able to be aware of the entirety of our experience. And so the practice that's, that Saito Utejaniya teaches is primarily a receptive style of practice. Rather than choosing or directing the attention to some particular experience, we are kind of settling back and, and checking in what's here, what's obvious right now. And so we're, we're really, it's, 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 we're in a mode of accepting. We're in a mode of receiving what's offered. Okay, this is the, these are the sensations. This is the experience that's happening right now. Can I be aware of that? Now, this is a little more perhaps challenging in terms of um, uh, learning how to stabilize mindfulness. You know, when we um, start with something like just like pay attention to the breath, and we direct our attention there, it's, it gets, you know, we, can, we can kind of recognize, oh, I'm not paying attention to the breath, so I need to return to that to stabilize the mindfulness. And so we kind of almost rely on that directing of the attention to the breath to help us know, are we being mindful or not? And in this case, there's a kind of a learning that happens around recognizing, oh, I am aware of a breath right now. Oh, and now I'm aware that I'm speaking. And now I'm aware that my body feels a little bit like vibratory in my legs. Now I'm aware of a breath. Now I'm aware of seeing. And I'm aware of that. And so there's a little bit of learning of what the experience of awareness itself is and how we know experience 
through that awareness. And so that's, that's a little bit of a shift for some people in this style of practice, the learning. What does it mean? How do I know that I'm aware and mindful when I'm not choosing what it is that I'm being mindful of? And so the receptive style of practice, we are stepping back and recognizing, okay, this is what's happening. This is what's obvious right now. So I want to talk about some key things that support this possibility of um, being with just what's happening. And the first one, the key one, is relaxation. And so we, we start with relaxation. When the body relaxes, there's, these are conditions actually, we could say that we start by directing, and to some extent we start by directing the attention to check in. Is the body relaxed? And this is, um, if the body is tense, then the mind tends to be tense. And so when we relax the body, it supports or helps to create the conditions where the mind can be more relaxed. There's such a feedback loop between the body and mind, and so the relaxation of body really helps the mind to relax. And then the mind relaxing, that is really the condition that allows us to receive, that allows us to be in this stance of, oh, this is what's happening now. I can know that. I can be with that. And so we start with some relaxation, letting the body relax, relaxing the muscles of the body. And we'll encourage it at the beginning. And then we check in. Maybe the mind can relax. Maybe we can let mental tension often expresses by being caught in thoughts of worry, concern, thoughts of the past, the future. And those, that mental tension tends to keep us out of the present moment. When our mind is relaxed, it very naturally takes in the present moment experience. That's the way our system is designed. We don't actually have to work so hard when the body and mind are relaxed. We don't have to work so hard to be mindful when the body and mind are relaxed because it's a a natural process that we're kind of connecting with at that point. Our system is designed to be aware. It's kind of like we just have to get out of the way and then begin to recognize what is it like to let that system work. So relaxation is is the first piece we'll work with. And then we begin to recognize mindfulness. We begin to recognize, am I aware? So this is the first piece that we check in with. Do, Do I know that I'm aware? And this may sound like, so right now, do you know that you're aware? If you are listening to me, not lost in a daydream, not thinking about something else, if you hear the question, you may not quite know how you know that you're aware. But you know that you're aware. And so this is a, this is a question that we actually can check in with from time to time. Am I aware? Is awareness here? If you even think to ask the question, you get to answer yes. Even though you may not quite know how you know you're aware. This is actually an important piece of the practice. Um, sometimes people, people say, well, you know, if I already, you know, if I'm thinking to ask the question, why bother to ask the question if I get to answer yes? Partly it's because asking the question and curi- being curious about, well, how do I know I'm aware? 
begins to orient our, kind of the natural part of our minds to begin to connect and recognize experience. It begins to orient our, um, our investigation or curiosity to recognize or to, to begin to land with the actual experience of being aware. And so through this kind of curiosity or question, am I aware? How do I know that I'm aware? Not to try to figure out the answer, but just to kind of sit with this, yes, I know I'm aware. This is what it's like to know I'm aware. It begins to inform our, our uh, kind of conscious mind about what the experience of being aware is. And that can take some time. For me, at least, it, it took some time to actually begin to recognize, oh, this is what being present is. Early on in my practice when, you know, I would sit at these retreats and teachers would say, connect to a sense of presence. That would be their first instruction. I was like, what are they talking about? I have no clue what they mean. And so I, I, I know this. It, for me, it took quite a while to, to begin. It was, it's a subtle experience. Some people, some some number of people just kind of naturally, that's a piece that they've grown up with. And so for some of you, this may just be like, a, yeah, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be aware. But for many people, there is not quite that connection. And so you know, just taking your time, it's like, okay, this is what it's like to be aware. I know that I'm aware. Okay, that's, this is the experience of that. That begins to help the mind to consciously begin to recognize it and touch into that sense of what it's like to be present. So that's, a, that's the first piece. I'm recognizing, am I aware right now? And then what is obvious? That's the other part of the mindfulness. We notice that we are aware. And what is kind of most obvious? What is, what is the... Our system is paying attention to something in any given moment. Whether or not we're choosing to direct the attention to something... Our system is noticing something. And so settle back and relax and kind of say, okay, body and mind, what's most obvious? What are you paying attention to? Sound or body sensation or an emotion, whatever it is. So am I aware? Is awareness present? And what is obvious? And we'll do some work with this in the guided meditation um, in a moment. So that's a piece. That's a piece around mindfulness, beginning to recognize: Am I aware, and what am I aware of? So in this practice, we are not measuring mindfulness based on how long we're staying with any particular experience. The experience of this practice may feel, for some, at first, a little bit jumpy, because. Our minds take in a wide range of experience. And so for a moment it might be a sound and then it might be that a sensation in the body draws the attention and then maybe an emotion or a thought. This is being aware moment to moment. And then of course the mindfulness will get caught by some piece of that. We'll kind of like maybe hear the sound of the train and then start thinking about trains and where that train is going and then we're not present anymore. And so that we need to begin to recognize the difference between the kind of sense of aware of a lot of experiences kind of changing and maybe the sense of it can feel either like a flow from one experience to another or maybe kind of popping from one experience to another. We get kind of familiar with that experience as different from 
the being lost in thought. But at first it can feel a little bit odd not to have this kind of settled or focused attention. So the next piece that I want to bring in is is a, a piece around how we make effort here. I think this is a piece that often when we struggle in our meditation, it's often around effort that we are struggling. We're, you know, trying so hard to stay present. We're trying to stay connected with the breath and holding on to that breath. And often there's some tension that creeps in around that. And this practice, Sayada often just says, you know, it's a really light touch. The thing he said to me the first time, the first thing he he said to me is the only work you need to give your mind is to remind yourself to be aware. And so that's kind of where the effort comes in. Oh, am I aware? And what's obvious? Just in that moment. So right now, notice... I'm going to ask you to pay attention to some things, kind of to direct your attention. So notice the sensations of your hands for this moment. And now the sound of my voice. How hard is it to pay attention, to know those as I say them? Notice the contact of your hips with the chair, cushion, or bench. Just Just the pressure there. For that moment, how hard is it? Usually it's not very hard. It, it's just there. It's almost like I name a place. You know, notice the contact of your lips together. Or maybe a breath now. I name something and the attention is there. It's not like we have to like drag the attention and like put it on the experience. It's quite natural. And so that, that um, it's kind of a, the light touch that we're talking about. For a moment, for half a second or a second, it's not very hard to be mindful of something. What is more challenging is the sustaining of that or the the cultivation of the, the, the sustaining of that mindfulness over time. And so the that's where the effort comes in. And often what we we have done, or certainly what I did, was kind of like to like with the breath for instance I would sit down and it's like okay the breath I want to stay with the breath and I would be like I would try to hold on to the breath I would say I'm going to be with the breath for the next 10 minutes and I would try to apply the effort that I needed to be with the breath for 10 minutes in that first moment of meditation and that's not actually the way our minds work So the way that we can support this is to, so what am I aware of right now? What's obvious right now? And how about right now? And how about right now? Just applying the amount of effort and connection we need to know the experience for this half a second. That's the level of effort we need to make. And then we do it again. And then we do it again. So it's a light touch, moment after moment after moment after moment. I often use an analogy around this in, in um, the scooter, these scooters that the kids ride, not the motorized ones, but the ones that you have to tap on the ground to get going. 
So you start from a standstill. And when you use the scooter, you have to put your foot and tap like a few times lightly. You usually tap a few times lightly. That gets some momentum going. And then you can ride for a little while. You might, you know, it might be that you'd put your foot down and do one really hard push if you think you want to go a long way and go fast. But that's not the way that momentum really builds. You do that one really hard push and it's pretty wobbly, not very stable. But you put tap, 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 tap. The balance builds, the momentum builds, and then you can ride for a while. It's very similar to what we do with our attention and our effort in the mindfulness practice. Light touch, moment after moment. And then we begin to to get a sense of what it's like for that momentum of the mindfulness to build. To kind of ride this wave of mindfulness. And then we don't have to keep reminding ourselves as frequently as that momentum builds. Again, similarly to the scooter. Once there's some momentum, it actually gets in the way to keep tapping. You can ride for a while and let that that movement happen. And then as the scooter starts to get wobbly, you recognize, okay, time to put the foot down and tap again. Again, very similar. Light touch. Oh, am I aware? What's here? Am I aware? What's here? As the momentum begins to develop, we can back off of the kind of reminding ourselves so frequently and kind of ride that wave of mindfulness. This does take As similar with the scooter, you get familiar with what it's like to ride smoothly and what it's like when the scooter gets wobbly. We learn what it's like when that momentum of mindfulness is going. Ah, this flow of experience from one thing to the next or this popping of experience from one thing to the the next. We learn what that feels like. And then we also begin to learn what it feels like as the mind kind of gets hooked or stuck to something, starts to go out, starts to wander. And then we, oh, right, time to reconnect. What am I aware of? Oh, this feeling of pull, that's what I'm aware of right now. Okay, I can be aware of that. So this light touch, moment after moment. This light touch, moment after moment, builds this momentum of mindfulness. And that momentum of mindfulness, in this practice, that momentum or stability of mindfulness is the concentration that develops in this practice. There are two forms of concentration. There's a form of concentration that builds and develops through attending to a single experience. The experience there tends to get really quiet, really still. The mind gets very settled. Not a lot of movement in the mind as that kind of concentration builds. The other kind of concentration, I would say, is the Uh, the stability of the mindfulness, the stability of the awareness. It is the um, non-distracted mind in that it is not pulled out of being aware in the present moment. It may be taking in many things moment after moment, but it's not distracted in that it forgets about the present moment. And so there's this continuity of awareness and as we begin to understand the mindfulness itself, the, you know, touch in, oh, this is what it's like to be aware. There can be that, a feeling of stability. It's like the, the analogy of the, um, the Ajahn Chah analogy of the still forest pool. You know, as the, as the pool gets quiet and still, 
which is kind of analogous, analogous to the stability of the mindfulness. It reflects the things that come to the pool so they can all be seen clearly. You can see through the water to the bottom and see what's on the bottom of the pool. So the stillness of the water allows there to be more seen. And that's akin to what happens in the concentration of this practice. The stability of the awareness allows more to be seen. And we can begin to taste or touch into the quality of stillness of awareness even as we are experiencing the multiplicity of objects, of experiences that happen. So that is how concentration works in this practice. And we, we, we start with this kind of awareness, the cultivation of awareness, this tap, tap, tapping of the scooter to cultivate that momentum rather than in, in some practices there's the movement or starting with stabilizing the mind with one place, you know, one pointed attention and then saying, okay, the mind is calm now so now I can open up that's useful. I've done a lot of that. It has a, a, a way that it works. But what we do here instead is to start from the mindfulness. We cultivate the capacity of the mind to be with many things. And when we start with just the, the breath or start with some particular experience to stabilize the mindfulness with, often in the transition, moving outwards to opening up to many kinds of experiences, there are things that we're not used to being mindful of and those things can kind of pull us out or distract us. And so in, he- in this way, we're cultivating the stability of mindfulness on a broad range of experience. So the concentration tends to get more stable, this form of the still awareness. It's, it's, it gets more stable. We learn how to be with a variety of, exper- of experience. So there's less um, experiences that can pull us out. We, we begin to get familiar with how to be with more and more and more kinds of experience. <coughs> so, of course, in this practice, there's going to be the mind wandering. And it may seem, and often does if you're new to this, um, feels like it's happening more frequently at first. Sometimes what feels like the mind wandering is actually the mind kind of moving from object to object, and so that's a place to check in. Is Am I really lost? Am I not aware? Or does it just feel odd to have this movement of awareness from one thing to another? Am I aware? So coming back to that question. <coughs> but we do, our minds do wander. We get lost in thought. We forget and yet there is the moment when we remember again. Oh yeah, I'm sitting in the, in the, the meditation hall at IMC. I'm not at the park. I'm not driving my car down 101. I'm not in front of my computer hashing through that email. I'm here. And so there's that moment of remembering. The moment when we remember mindfulness. In that moment, the first thing to recognize is, oh, mindfulness is back. That moment is a, is a great moment for helping us to recognize what it's like to be aware because there's a kind of a contrast in a way between the mind that has been lost in thought and the mind that is now aware. And so in that moment, we can begin to kind of, it kind of can highlight for us, oh, this is what it's like to have awareness come back. 
If in that moment the first thing you're doing is judging yourself for having been lost in thought, you miss that moment of opportunity to check in. Oh, this is awareness re-arising, like the lights come on. And so for me, this kind of curiosity about what is it like for mindfulness to return has been a great um, uh, kind of curiosity that has helped me to let go of the judging my mind for having been wandering. Kind of like I, I, I gave myself permission. It's okay if the mind wanders. You know, if it wanders a hundred times in a 40-minute sitting, it gives me a hundred opportunities to notice this moment of awareness returning. It gives me an opportunity to recognize, oh, this is awareness again. And so that's the first thing to check into. Oh, this is what it's like to be aware again. And then often when our minds wander, it, uh, it creates tension. You know, often when our minds wander, we're caught in thoughts of past or future or something has kind of aris- arisen that we've gotten stuck to. And so that's another great thing to check in. Okay, am I, is the body and mind still relaxed? If not, then that's a great thing to do. It's like, okay, yep, I'm aware again. Oh, relax, relax. And then what's obvious? What's obvious in this moment? Now, what's obvious in this moment after the mind has been wandering, can easily be connected to whatever it was the mind was wandering about. So maybe our mind was wandering into that email that we had to write. We remember awareness. Oh, yep, oh, not so relaxed. Okay, so relax. And then what's here? So what's here? may well be some flavor of the emotions that were being generated as we were thinking about writing that email. Or some kind of, depends on what the content of that email is. If it's a contentious email, there may be, there may be like some agitated emotions. If it was an email of, of kind of connectedness and care and love, maybe the connectedness and care and love is what's present. And so that's what we meet. We don't have to kind of think about, think like we're cutting off the experience and then moving on. It's like the experience, <clears throat> the experience of what had happened while the mind was wandering has shaped this moment. And that's what we need to connect with. Oh, there's a little bit of sadness. Okay, can I be with that? Oh, there's a feeling of of delight and care and connection. Oh, can I be with that? So relax and then notice what's here. And then the last piece I'll put in this morning and then we'll do a guided meditation. is about what I spoke about at the beginning, that the important piece or the the piece that ultimately we um, begin to get interested in is how we are relating to our experience. This is where we both begin to see how we're caught, where our struggles are, and how the mind can transform, how it can let go of those struggles. And so the, um, the exploration there is 
Okay, so this is what's obvious here. This is, I'm aware. This is what's obvious. Every now and then it's useful to check in. What's my relationship to what's happening? Do I want something else to be happening? Am I trying to make this thing keep going? Do I like what's happening and want it to continue? Do I want something else to be happening? Do I have a sense of wanting to push away what's happening? Or am I confused? Is there confusion about what's happening? Or maybe there's a sense of, oh, this is okay. So four basic flavors of relationship that we attune to. And these four basic flavors basically cover the entire range of our emotional and mental life. A relationship of greed, of wanting something to happen, of holding on to something. A relationship of aversion, of wanting something to stop happening, of of pushing something away. Of contention, of resistance, of frustration, of anger. Those kind of flavors. of, Of greed, of aversion, of delusion. There's many flavors of delusion and over the, perhaps over the next couple of days I'll, I'll speak to this a little more. But, but, you know, roughly we could say there's one flavor of delusion is basically being disconnected. You know, kind of like checked out. Or another flavor is um, kind of a sense of confusion. What's going on? I don't get it. So it's not like we either like it or not like it. It's like we don't even understand it. So there's that flavor of confusion. And then there's a subtler flavor of delusion that's more a kind of a hidden view, an idea that something should be a certain way that we're not seeing. And so sometimes we can, sometimes we can check in around that. It's like, well, okay, what's being believed right now? That's a way to get into or be curious about a, uh, a kind of a view that might be present that might not be seen. It's being believed right now. So greed, aversion, delusion, different flavors of this relationship. And then the fourth flavor of relationship is one of balance of mind, of okayness, no problem. That flavor can be quite subtle. Sometimes it's really clear. It's like, wow, this is fine. You know, sometimes it can be really clear, that flavor of no problem. It can, it can, it can taste like patience, or kindness, or connection, compassion, of balance, of ease, of peace, of calm. It can have many flavors. And so often when I I point people to checking into the relationship, it's almost like they're orienting more towards the, the greed, aversion, delusion, and forgetting that this no problem is also a relationship. And ultimately that's the relationship that the mind will move in the direction of as we do this practice. We begin to notice this, the relationships of greed, aversion, delusion. And as we notice those, it's often those, those relationships are kind of behind the scenes when we're not checking into them. So, oh, there's this, I'm, I'm noticing the sound of somebody doing something, rustling in a bag or something. And it's like, okay, I'm noticing that. That's obvious. And what's the relationship? Well, maybe there's aversion. 
if we haven't noticed that aversion, if it's just like, oh yeah, I'm paying attention to that, but that there's this kind of tension in the mind, not liking it, kind of waiting for it to end. Maybe it's not a strong aversion. Maybe you're not angry or something, but it's just like kind of holding on, waiting for it to end. If we're not noticing that, then that is being reinforced in our minds as a valid, skillful relationship to work with. And so when we can recognize, oh, waiting for it to end is happening. Oh, there's that sound and there's this pushing away, a resistance waiting for it to end. When these uh, attitudes can be kind of pulled out of our subconscious mind and seen, then there's the possibility of the movement of transformation. We can recognize, oh, waiting for it to end is happening. Oh, can I know that? We don't have to try to stop waiting for it to end. It's the movement of allowing that to become something that is seen with mindfulness. Oh, waiting for it to end. Sometimes we see in that kind of revealing of some attitude in the mind, there can be a kind of a relaxing. Oh, that's what's happening. Oh, waiting for it to end. And so we can then be okay with waiting for it to end. And that would be the attitude. Oh, it's okay. This is what the mind is doing. Sometimes when, when uh, an attitude is revealed, oh, waiting for it to end is happening, sometimes it very quickly is like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's fine. It doesn't have to end. I can be with this. And so the, sometimes the seeing of that attitude quickly creates a place of release of that attitude, but sometimes not. And so sometimes we have to work with those attitudes, recognize them, hold them. And so those are the basics of this practice. And there's a lot more to unpack in the details of working with specific challenges or difficulties. But we'll start with this. So the basics, relax, receive, a receptive kind of awareness. Relax, recognize awareness. Am I aware? What's obvious? Receive what's obvious. And from time to time, check in. What's the relationship to the experience? So those are the basic instructions. So right now, let's, we're going to do a, a, a sitting. And the sitting will, be, will last about <clears throat> 30 minutes. So it'll be a relatively short sitting. And I'll do a guided meditation for the beginning. Um, so let's stretch for just a few, mo- maybe a minute, because you've been sitting for a while. <coughs> Okay, so finding yourself in a, a posture that feels relaxed. <coughs> Upright, as much as that's possible for you. If you have to do lying meditation, that's fine. I do a lot of lying meditation. So, 
we'll begin with consciously relaxing the body. And we'll do this in a very systematic way this time. And so beginning by just letting the attention rest in your head and face. And seeing if those muscles of your head and face can soften and relax. Consciously relaxing the face is a very powerful way to help relax the mind. Very tight feedback loop between the muscles of the face and the emotion, the quality of the mind. And so allowing the face to relax. (coughs) The head. Relaxing around the eyes, the mouth, the jaw. Softening the muscles of the neck and shoulders. Relaxing the arms and hands. Softening the chest and upper back, all those muscles around the rib cage. Relaxing the stomach, the abdomen. Maybe letting that area hang forward. Sometimes we almost subconsciously hold that area back. And so you can kind of let your bones, your spine, (coughs) hold you up and relax all of the muscles around the spine, including the stomach, the abdomen, letting that hang forward. Relaxing the middle and lower back, the hips, Softening the muscles of the legs. The upper legs, the lower legs. The knees. The ankles, the feet. (coughs) And then for me, there's also... An interesting exploration after relaxing kind of the muscles of the body to explore a deeper internal relaxation in the core of the body. This is not always available, but sometimes it is. And so just check in. Maybe the inside of the throat can relax. Maybe the heart, the area around the heart can relax. Maybe the stomach and the intestines can relax. And then maybe too the mind can relax. 
Don't think about that. And sometimes we can kind of get caught. What does it mean for the mind to relax? And just maybe there can be just a releasing of mental tension, pull towards thoughts of past or future. Letting yourself land here. Gill offers an analogy that can support this sense of relaxation of mind. As if the brain were a muscle, maybe the brain can relax. As there is whatever level of relaxation of body and mind that's available for you in this moment. Are you aware? And what is obvious? From this relaxed stance, if you can step back and settle back and let experience come to you. No need to go out looking for experience. It will come. And so what is obvious? Maybe a breath. Maybe a body sensation. A pressure, a tingling, a coolness. It may be sound. The sound of my voice, for instance. Or maybe some emotion, mood. Relax. What is obvious in this moment? Often as we begin our meditation, the most obvious experience is a physical one. either a body sensation or a sound. Are you aware? What's obvious? How about now? What's obvious now? Remembering that light touch. How about now? What's obvious? Just connecting, knowing that. And what's next? That light tap, tap, tap of the scooter. Am I aware? What is obvious? If it's supportive for you, you can use these questions in the meditation. For some people that's helpful, for others not. Sometimes it can be more just of a kind of a 
orienting. Oh, aware. Aware. And what? Without using the questions or the words. Relax and receive. Sometimes at the beginning of our practice in this way, we don't quite, we know there's experience going on. We're aware, we know that we're aware, but we're not really quite clear on what is the most obvious piece. If that's the case, that's okay. You can kind of just settle in this like, okay, yes, I know that I'm aware. Let that be the thread. At some point, there'll be something really clearly coming in. A strong arising sound or a strong body sensation. And then there'll be more of the understanding or the sense of, oh, that's what it's like when the, when the attention connects with something. And so you can, if it doesn't seem clear, just settle back and relax. I know that I'm aware. Yep, I know that I'm aware. Oh, that vibration, that body sensation, that's obvious right now. And I know that I'm aware. And the mind will wander. I'll be that getting lost in thought. The moment to really be curious about is that moment when mindfulness does return. That waking up. Oh, aware again. This is what it's like to be aware. What's obvious in that moment. And checking in. Has tension crept back in? If it has, you're welcome to relax. Relax your face, relax your arms, hands, legs. Just take a few moments to relax the body again. For me, the at this point, the kind of shortcut I use is the core relaxation. Relax the throat, the heart, the stomach, the intestines. That kind of carries the relaxation through the body. And then what's obvious? And remembering that what's obvious right now may have a connection to what was happening when the mindfulness was lost, when the mind was wandering in thought. What's here? Can I be with that? What's obvious?
relax. Recognize awareness. Am I aware? What's obvious in this moment? In this moment, a light touch. We never know what the next experience will be since we're not in charge of it. So can there be this kind of stance of curiosity? What's going to be next? What's here? How about now? from time to time every now and then just checking in okay this is what's happening what's my relationship to this do I want something to keep happening holding on to something do I want something to go away stop Is there a confusion? Or maybe it's okay. Maybe it feels no problem. If some form of greed, aversion, or confusion does become clear there, The exploration is around allowing that to just be part of the field of what you're aware of right now. Oh, you've become aware. Oh, there's this resistance right now. Okay, oh, resistance is happening. That's what's obvious right now. That's what's being received right now. How do I know that experience? Some of it may feel mental. Some of it may feel physical. How is that? experience of resistance manifesting right now? Or how is that experience of okayness, no problem, manifesting right now? Sometimes that's a beautiful way to check in to what it's like to be in that place. There can be a relaxation of body, an ease in the mind, a softness, sometimes a delight or a joy. And so relax. Are you aware? What's obvious? Just enough effort to be 
connected to this moment's experience. No need to hold on to that experience or to rush past it. Just this. And then the next thing. Just this. And just this. Moment after moment. from time to time, maybe once every few minutes, checking the relationship. How am I with this experience? What's the relationship? What's the attitude? 